And today we're going to be having a special guest with a good friend of mine, Harry Bernard. Harry, for the past 14 years, has began a journey with cutting hair, but is an evolving uh, into a seasoned barber with two years of professional ex expertise and beyond being the proprietor of lifestyle hair care, he proudly spearheads Madison East High School's inaugural barbering introductory course, and he nurtures the aspirations of budding students keen on mastering the art of barbering like himself. Celebrating 11 years of marriage as of December 11th, Harry finds himself a father to five daughters, each bearing a middle name whose initial comes together to spell his own name, Harry, H-A-R-R-Y. Amidst these fulfilling roles, Harry serves as a devoted youth minister within his local church, and he seamlessly blends his role as a barber and his passion for guiding and inspiring young people. All that being said, Harry is also a longtime friend of mine. I would call him even my best friend. Um, and we met in ministry school uh, back in 2010. <laughs> and uh, it's been uh, <laughs> it's been a long journey. And uh, we've even though we're across states, we still keep in touch to this day. Um, Harry, why don't you just start off by kind of sharing a little bit about yourself? I know I gave you a little introductory, but when it uh, when it comes to um, like, let's kind of just jump into ministry aspect, everything that you do with the school, with barbering. I mean, it, it's all ministry. Like even the name of your um, barbershop is lifestyle hair care, because your heart, when you told me about it is, is really connecting with individuals and having this place of like ministry and even like opportunity for counseling, stuff like that. So why don't you just kind of share a little bit about your heart when it comes to ministry in that aspect? So, uh, one correction though, uh, December 19th is the, uh, is, uh, when 11 years going on 11 years. Nice. So, yeah, uh, yeah. My, uh, so talk about just my heart behind ministry and you know, how I correlated that with my barbershop and the name and all of that easy. Um, yeah, I've, I've always had a heart for ministry. Um, I, I got, gave my heart to Jesus in the seventh grade the seventh grade. And I really, I really didn't like mean it at first. The pastor was just like, yo, whoever wants to get our lives to God, raise their hand. And I'm clowning the whole time in church. I just raised my hand, but it was really God. It was a God moment. Honestly, I, I couldn't see it then, but I definitely see it now. Um, ever since then witness to my friends in middle school, um, telling, telling my friends about Jesus at the bus stops, and I just carried over into um, me cutting hair and my desire to want to cut hair and uh, talk to my clients about their beliefs, what they believe and why they believe what they believe. Some of the uh, some of the things that they get wrong about Christianity and especially in the black culture, we 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 tend to want to believe a lot of the uh egyptology i think it, it is what it is yeah but yeah so that was really my heart behind it just wanted to engage people and while i'm engaged engaging people doing what i do best is cutting hair so but the name lifestyle is because uh it's one it's a lifestyle our hair is our lifestyle but our church is called life center madison oh okay a little um, play on words there Exactly. And the youth ministry, uh, we uh, name One Life. 
So there's there's a theme of life. So it's not just doing the cookie cutter church, but it's genuinely doing life. Yeah, that's great, man. And one thing that really inspires me uh, about your story is is how you're talking about like how you kind of like accidentally gave your life to Christ. (laughs) And yet it's still like carried over into this maturity. And so often within like churchy culture, um, I feel like we we almost like put limits on young people and kids from being able to make real decisions for Christ. I mean, there's been times where I literally was told by certain youth organizations to not give opportunities for Christ because they thought that the kids couldn't take it seriously enough. And here you are seventh grade and you acknowledge that you were cutting up the whole time. And that even though you just did it kind of like on a whim, that still changed your heart. It really shows the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that, man. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. And, and when it comes going into this idea of blending ministry into uh, kind of like this, uh, like, I don't think people necessarily at first think of getting their haircut as a time of ministry. And here you, you found this creative way to bring your faith into something that's seemingly ordinary. And what I love so much about that is it just goes outside of the four walls of the church. We, when we think of ministry, we often limit it to just being at church during church, whatever, but here you, you've made this way to be able to do something seemingly natural, seemingly ordinary, and making it supernatural, making something ordinary special with having this experience with faith conversations just while getting your hair cut. I love that. Yeah. And it's many times, man, people in the chair will be in tears and tears. We we talking about real stuff, real life stuff. It's a therapy session. I should charge for these therapy sessions. <laughs> I know just for a haircut, but nah, it, it gets real. It gets real. Yeah, that, that's powerful, man. And so in this, it, let's kind of like back up for a second, because having this this shop, it's been about two or three years, right? Yeah, two years. But, you, but you've been doing, but you've been cutting hair like, uh, I, I was about to say like since you were born, even when we went to ministry school together, you would cut my hair. And so- yeah. Even though you, you, it's you're now just fresh within your own shop, you've been doing that for a long, uh, a, a long minute now. So, when it comes to your idea of like learning how to navigate ministry to where it's specific to you, like every person ministers in their own unique way, right? So, how how was it for you when you finally realized, man, this is like this is my ministry? You know what I'm saying? How how did you come about that? Uh, um, that that was tough. It was tough. I remember even back when I, uh, when we graduated from 220I and there was this lady in church, it was a Sunday and she had a prophetic word and she said, uh, uh, she was like, I just had one word for you, Harry, youth pastor, but don't think that it's, it means that like you have to be a youth pastor here at this church or you have to be a youth pastor that looks like a typical youth pastor that's just what I heard from God, just a youth pastor. And I went to this like ministry training and like they were teaching you how to like hear from God, how to like receive words of knowledge. And somebody was like, uh, we were doing an internship similar to 220i at the church. And I had them doing jumping jacks and all of that. And uh, mm. I was, on them, <laughs> I was on them like the brothers is on us. And, uh, and uh, they like, we're in this ministry training and like someone prophetically sees that, right? In in the spirit, me, 
uh, telling these uh, kids to do jumping jacks and me leading that. And so, uh, but I was always, always wrestling, like, what does ministry like look like? Um, what does youth ministry look like? And how, how does that look like for me? And then like when I blending that into the, the cut, like cutting hair, that in and of itself was, was a challenge because I'm not, I can get a whole lot of information, but my retention and my, uh, what's the word, retaining the information and then articulating that information, terrible mm -hmm. at. And so, <laughs> and so, uh, I like, I can like spew out a few things that like make sense to me, but it, it was, it's just difficult. It was difficult for me to try to have a ministry moment. Like someone's talking about like relationship issues. Actually, I'm good at relationship issues, but, uh, or just like spiritual things. And it's hard for me to articulate. And I feel like the best thing for me to do is be present in that moment. Mm. Right. Not even to have to give like a very intellectual, deep spiritual answer. But I feel like God has graced me to just be present in that moment and people feel comfortable um, with telling their life. And so that's how I feel like my ministry is. Like, I don't I don't need to be like the most knowledgeable person in the world, although I might know a lot about a little or a little about a lot. Um, but just me being there um, in the moment for people is is something I feel like where my ministry really is the best. Man, that that's that speaks so many volumes because I really feel like um, so much of ministry is simply caring about people. And when ministry is not about necessarily caring about people, um, it feels like on the receiving end, it feels like you're just being used, that you, you make people a means to an end when they're not the end result. And simply like listening, I mean, that's a ministry in itself. I remember the first time I ever sat in the office of a pastor and we were supposed to be meeting, but he ended up getting this random call that someone saying, I need to talk to you right now. And he legit was just on the phone for like 20 minutes. I was keeping track because it was my time too. And for 20 minutes, he didn't even say anything. He was just listening the whole time said, uh-huh, uh-huh. And at the end, he just like said something encouraging. Like, okay, bye. Glad that was encouraging to you. I was like, I was like, you like you just listened for 20 minutes without saying anything. And his response to me is like, that's what ministry is. And I think that the way you're describing it is finding this niche that is so unique to you, but is so, uh, it, I feel like that aspect of being present and being there for somebody in, su in such a simple time, it it's like totally underrated. It, I mean, it, it really is incredibly valuable to be able to have people like that in your life that that make a difference by just being present like you're saying and and on that note you know i want to kind of pick apart what you were saying right now because you started off by saying how you pretty much like copied what you experienced like you copied um in a sense the people before you when you're having those kids doing jumping jacks and i feel like early on for a lot of aspiring leaders like young ministers that's what we do like that's what I did I just I I just regurgitated what I heard and and just try to give it to the next person and like that's nasty like don't eating throw up that's what it is uh, they're chewing they're chewing on ABC gum it's already been chewed and it's nasty and it never it, it's I feel like whenever people do that 
you can almost tell that it wasn't their own original thought. Like you can tell that they're just repeating what they heard from someone else. For you, what what was it like when you first started to, in a sense, like think for yourself as a young minister? And how did you go about, like, I guess, like owning that you, you are allowed to think for yourself? You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, that's tough to like give it a, uh, like a time, um, like a specific time, because, um, what I, what I would say though, is like my relationship with, um, the current pastor, he was the one, like when I first gave my life to Jesus, the pastor was like, uh, raise your hand if uh, you want to accept Jesus. And I raised my hand. And at that time we had people come behind you, um, and put their hands on your shoulders and then lead you off into a certain area in the auditorium or sanctuary. And uh, they give you a Bible, ask you if you know the significance of the choice you made. And that person standing behind me was Adam, the uh, current uh, pastor um, of the church. And it was he was there for me in that very moment, and he stayed there, right? So he's not just like a pastor to me, he's a father to me, and he's fathered me. Um, so with, and I was this young kid, um, black kid want to be like his dad my dad was a gangster um, and I wanted to be like that but then I'm in the church so then I want to be like a Christian and then like I'm hearing things from my family but I'm also hearing things from um, my pastor youth pastor at the time and so I'm not I'm not too I wasn't too uh, uh, into the into the word so I don't know what to think right so I'm believing the things that he's telling me and because mm-hmm. of that intimate relationship that we had like it, it, it's hard for me to say there was a time because I know I think for myself now, um, and it definitely happened as an adult, um, and I think when it like truly happened, I would say would be sometime after I was married, like eleven years ago, where like I don't have to like you're saying regurgitate the things that he's telling me. Or the things that I'm hearing from other pastors as I'm listening to a, a podcast or as I'm listening to sermons, but that I can actually get in the word and develop um, my own ideas of what the Bible is, especially like <clears throat> we might get into this later, but especially like I grew up in a, uh, well, I ain't grew up in church, but the church was a very white church. And because of that, um, obviously I'm black, but I'm thinking if, if, I, if I'm going to be a good Christian, then I need to talk white. I need mm. to dress white. And I need to, in a sense, uh, become like what I'm seeing in order to be a good Christian, right? Mm. Because I was very not any of that. And so it was hard for me even because I, I pulled my pants up. I used to sag real low. And tall tees was the thing back in the day. And so I'm like, let me just wear a shirt that's, you know, to my waist and let me just completely assimilate just mm-hmm. so I can feel like I'm accepted. Um, and so like that played a, a, a big part. And I remember having a conversation with Adam, like, man, do I got to put my pants up? Like, can I just sag and that be that? Like, why can do I do I have to uh, articulate every every word that I say or can, right. I, can I talk the way I talk? And so there was a time, um, I would even say before my marriage, um, where I was like, you know what? I'm not even, I'm not going to change how I speak. I'm not going to change how I dress for nobody. I don't care who you are. I don't care what environment I'm in, how professional it is. I am going to be, 
I'm going to dress the way I dress and talk the way I talk and you have to accept me for me. And so that's, that's, uh, yeah, that, that happened a while back ago, but it was definitely a journey. It was definitely a process. Yeah. You know, I, I pick up a couple things that are so important to your story. One that it seems like for a lot of us is like, once we get married, uh, I feel like we end up inevitably growing a sense of independence because now we're, 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 we begin recognizing that how our actions affect our family. Like we're leading our family. It's, it's almost like it forces us into a mindset of independence to where we, like our, our decisions matter for our family, for our wife, for our kids. And I think that a lot of young people, like, especially like single young people, they're so malleable to where even for us, like when we were in an internship, like we didn't have no, you know, family, wife or kids or nothing like that. And it's just like, kind of like follow the leader and you just play Simon says the whole way, because you, you don't necessarily have to think for yourself, but once you get a family, once you think like get kids, you start having to make grown up decisions. Like you're forced into that, that in a sense, like that way of thinking and it translates over to that spirituality. If, if you're mindful of it. And the other thing that that I really want to, I want us to talk more about is, is how you're describing church culture. And I know that me and you have had a lot of conversations about this, but let's, let's really unpack that for the audience. And I feel like, just like you're saying that we have in our American church culture, we have made a false sense of spirituality to be derived from kind of like you said, like white culture, like Anglo culture, to where if you don't dress this way or talk this way, then you're not spiritual enough. And um, you and I both have witnessed that. We've experienced that in different levels. And I want to kind of unpack more of, of what it is like for you now being a young Christian leader, grown man, who is trying to, at the same time that you are like being a, a leader in your church, a youth pastor in your church, how are you, how do you go about instilling that kind of independent culture today? Like it's one thing when we recognize it for ourselves, how do you go about trying to lead that kind of change mindset and culture um, in your, in your regular leadership now? Yes. That's, that's a tough one too um because like it's not like it's not <clears throat> it's not because what because when we're, when we're preaching right when, when we're teaching like we're talking about um jesus and who he is what he did um we're talking about um a whole lot of eschatology we're talking about um things um uh, historically in the bible all of, like those things so it's just like uh it's not like i'm trying to it's not like I'm trying to say, look, we don't have to be, we don't have to be, um, we don't have to be a certain way to be accepted in Christ, even though I am. That ain't, I am saying like, yes, we have to be who we are in Christ. Um, but it's not that I am trying to force people to um, behave in a certain way, you know, like you don't have to behave this way like if you're if you are a gang member you don't have to let go of your your gang in order to be uh, in order to come to Christ right because his that relationship with Jesus is going to sort that out i'm not the one that is going to tell you that you need to um put put down the drugs put down the put down the cigarettes all of that like that's going that comes out of your relationship with Jesus so it's it's 
it's not that I'm I'm the one that's uh in a sense like forcing forcing anybody to be behave a certain way, but I'm really just teaching like this is this is you need to walk your walk in Christ and right. in Jesus. Like he is going to change and transform who you are, and that's who you will become in him. Yeah. You know, I, I love that approach because uh what I hear from you is is really just trying to lead them to a genuine relationship with Christ and letting them uh in, in a sense like you trusting the Holy Spirit to finish the work that started in them and not trying to uh create this new hill to die on of like uh like hey like we all gotta dress not dress this way it's like uh, not making that this big sign but letting people uh sort it out themselves with their walking uh with christ and i think the the even though that sounds so like in a sense like normal to me like that sounds so like yeah well that makes sense i feel like so much of traditional church culture tries to control everything that you do to where like, no, you have to literally uh, go tell your gang that you're out right now <laughs> or you're you're not really or Jesus isn't enough for you. Like, if you really love Jesus, then you'll do X, Y or Z. You have to listen to what I say. If you really if you're really serious about God, then you have to change the way you dress right now. Like it, it it's almost like the traditional American church culture wants to visibly see what they imagine repentance to to be like in the way someone dresses and talks and in like acts when truly like that repentance walk looks different for every single human and uh and i love how you're talking about like really trusting the holy spirit praying for these people and walking them uh you know letting them walk that path you know free to go to you but not uh not in a sense like holding their hands so much so it's where you're telling them how to dress how to talk how to do every little thing you dig what i'm saying yeah yeah definitely but and so let, let's sidestep when it comes to where you're at now as uh you're a business owner you're a le leader in your church um you, even within the classroom you're this teacher and you're you're working with a lot of young people and you're and you have your own kids with all with where you're at right now, what would you say is something that you're most proud of? What I say I'm most proud of is my uh my family, uh, what I've built, where I've come from, to know where I've come from, uh, to grow up in a single parent home, um, and knowing that the odds are stacked against me, and to still be in a marriage, uh, still be married. The average. The average marriage, I think, is like five to six years. And I think amongst Christians, it's even less than that. Um, but to uh, be in a marriage for this long, to have five daughters, daughters is crazy, um, but <laughs> a blessing. And uh, like that's that's what I'm most proud of. And what, you know, what all of this is going to look like down the line. I'm excited because my daughters get to see the grind my daughters get to see the the progress and then they get to see the reward in the end and so they'll be able to grow from that so my my uh ceiling is their floor and they can continue that uh that that path to like entrepreneurship or whatever they want to do but uh from like my mom dealing with alcoholism 
as I was growing up, my dad being in prison. And like it's it's incredible uh, to see where I'm at in my family. So yeah, that's that's my that's my proudest, that's my proudest achievements is my family. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. And I feel like that speaks volumes as uh, for any like person aspiring for ministry. Uh, traditionally within church culture, we see time and time again that the worst kids in church are the youth pastor's kids or the the, the senior pastor's kids. Like it's the pastor's kids that 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 are the ones sneaking off to smoke cigarettes in the back that that are getting other kids to skip service. Like it's it, it seems like those kids are. They, they have this sense that they hate church. And I think that we see that so often, or at least we have seen that so often because so many ministers put their proudest achievement being at the pulpit, being, being the on stage, doing, being this, the centerpiece of ministry rather than the proudest thing of their lives being their family and, and making that the number one priority. So I, I think that speaks volumes and for anyone listening of, of how to place their family above anything else, even when it comes to ministry, because at the end of the day, your family is your first ministry. That's great, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, and so kind of going a little into, um, going into where we're, where you're at now and being that you're, I feel like you're, you're in this place where you feel confident and at least a lot more confident than, say 10 years ago. Right. And, yeah. and you have a lot more experience. You've been in ministry for over 10 years. So when it comes to all that you're doing, what is one question that you wish you would have asked earlier on? Uh, one question I wish I would have asked early on. I think one question, one question I wish I would have asked early on. So one thing that used to that used to like keep me in a funk was the fact that like so in, in 220i, I think I I know I had to learn this in 220i that uh that the oil flows down. And so it's like the authority is up here, right? And then everybody underneath him. And you like need to yeah right and everybody and everybody needs to be in alignment right you need to stay in that you know you need to stay in alignment with your leader and if you don't then you know you're you you come from under the anointing and so i used to just anytime i messed up as a young as a young as a young minister i would just have this deep What's this? What's the word? I I would have a deep, uh, just a crazy feeling, shame, mm. deep shame, just any mistake. Cause then I felt like I'm I'm not under the anointing anymore, and I felt like I had to go and tell my leader, yo, like, it's just curse, man. I I actually just wanted to fight this dude in the store because he had you know bumped me, you know. And so it's just like, I didn't feel like I could make any mistakes. So one thing I wish I would have asked was, does, is that how it works? Like, is, is, does it work to, to where I can't make any mistakes because then I'm not under the anointing mm. or 
is my alignment with God rather than man more important, right? Because like it's simple to me now. Like I don't, I, we're not Catholics. We don't need to confess to a priest or whoever they confess to, um, to you know, feel like we're right with God again. It makes sense to me now, but back then I used to struggle with with the shame. And man, I need to I need to just confess to Adam, um, a, any little thing to him. Yeah. So I wish I would have just asked. Does it work that way? Because I never told him. To him, it just looked like I was just being open and vulnerable. But in the inside, I'm just dying of shame, and I need to I need to I, walk in the light, right? Walk in freedom. And all of that is good per se, but it, it really came from a place of wrong thinking. And so I wish I uh I wish I would have asked more questions about that specifically because I felt like that really held me back. Yeah. Man, that that is so powerful because at the end of the day, I think every min uh, especially young aspiring ministers, like people who are just getting started, we we all go through like what you're describing. And feeling like we're the only ones that are imperfect, like we're the only ones struggling and you feel like you're just broken. And man, that that is just a powerful, powerful story because you're describing what every person is feeling, but no one is saying out loud. And I, I remember talking with someone before and just telling them like, do you, like, don't you think that the Holy Spirit's covenant with you is a little bit bigger than that? Do you think that it just like, like just leaves like, oh, I, I'm done. It, I mean, not even a marriage is like that. And the Holy Spirit's covenant with you is, is even stronger than that of a marriage. It, it is a binding covenant with you. And it's just, the Holy Spirit just isn't just so flippant that it just comes and goes according to how good or bad you were that day. And I, that is such a powerful testimony that you're describing. And I think that that, that would be something that anyone just starting off would need to really grasp onto right now. Cause there's so many ministers that had amazing potential, but they gave up prematurely because they thought they were the only ones making mistakes or they thought they were the only ones that struggled or the only ones who weren't perfect. And they, that the truth is that they would have been uh, amazing if they would have just stuck it, stuck in it and realized that <laughs> look at the rest of us, but yeah. they they would have had so much potential. They would have been able to make a difference in so many people's lives if they didn't disqualify themselves. So that yeah. that is powerful, man. I love that. Yeah, first Corinthians thirteen. Yeah, for sure. Because I definitely there were there could have been a lot more people I could have affected if I didn't feel like I wasn't qualified to talk to them. So sure. that's great. And so I, I guess th this. This kind of uh, divulges into, uh, I think, what would be helpful for some someone that is trying to start out, or even someone that is maybe trying to like put together. Uh, it's their first time putting together a team. Uh, maybe they're a new youth pastor and they're trying to find some other help or volunteers to be a part. What characteristics or skills would you suggest for someone to move ahead? Yeah. Definitely, you have to have a servant's heart. You got to be willing to serve. That's first mm -hmm. and foremost. You 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 have to genuinely want to be genuinely be in a relationship with Jesus, right? But you should have a servant's heart. You should you shouldn't want to <clears throat> uh, go straight to the top and just be seen by everybody. You shouldn't want to be the one that's on the stage preaching. It's not what we want to see. We want to see someone who is who has a servant's heart. 
Um, and also definitely you have to be humble and teachable. Without without being being teachable, it's like like you 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 think you got it figured out. And if you're younger, you definitely ain't got to figure it out. Um, and if you're older, if you're set in your ways, then you 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 have to be humble. You have to be humble. And so I, I feel like those those three things um, are are key for me. So, yeah, you know that's that's a powerful aspect because uh, for me, when I was a youth pastor, I would always have uh, some some young leaders that came out of nowhere, just like kind of. <laughs> They, it seemed as though they just like kicked open the doors to the youth service that day and say, ah, where's the microphone? Like thinking that they like they got it and awesome. they would come right up to him like, hey, I want to start helping out with the youth. And, and I would tell them, all right, great. We really need help setting up chairs and connecting with the kids. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would really like to share a message sometime. I'm like, oh, OK, <laughs> like, we'll just chill. Maybe just show up and like move chairs for a couple of weeks first. And I'm telling you, they would not last longer than three weeks. And after three weeks, they'd be like so uh, aggravated that they haven't been given a promotion <laughs> after just three weeks. That's three times moving chairs and they feel like they deserve more. And and it, every single time I, to me, it just revealed their heart in that they were willing to use young people as a means to an end and that end them being getting a greater ego them being puffed up and seeming like they're intelligent or superior but we should never use people as a means to an end and i'm not on the other end of that i feel like that's how i became a youth pastor i just kept showing up to set up chairs so long to where i outlasted like three different directors I'm like well until we find someone more qualified, let's get this guy. He's, he keeps showing up to move chairs. Maybe we'll try him out for the meantime. And it's like just just having that servant's heart, you realize it carries over into every aspect of ministry. Because when you're talking about getting calls at three in the morning because some young person ended up getting too drunk to go home and they need a ride home and they called you. And it's like, that's the servant's heart to be a good little pastor, a good little youth pastor. If you're willing to serve people with real ministry, when people are going through real life, that's where it comes out in that servant and humble heart. It, that, that's a that's just powerful, powerful aspect that you're sharing. Let me let me ask you this. When when it comes to the the 10 plus years that you've been in ministry and that you've been working with young people um, that you've been uh, serving in your church. What is the greatest change that you've made as a leader? Greatest change uh, that I made, it has to be my mindset. Um, the way I approach ministry, uh, the way that um, I see myself. And so it, it's been my mindset. At first, I at first I just didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. Um but I, I I knew I had a heart for, for kids, um, and just doing life because how how Adam um how he did life for me that's just how I wanted to do it with kids. You know, we just go to the mall, let's play around, let's see you do ten push ups in this random store, lay on a, a bed in that store, and then let's go and get some food and just have random conversations, and then let's get to a little deeper stuff uh, down the line, uh, but just just my mindset has has changed and how I approach the ministry so I think that's I think that uh that's the answer that's great man and and I think that when we look when we understand that 
our minds usually have a pre-assumption about things, especially when it comes to what we imagine ministry to be. And at the end of the day, like, I feel like so many young leaders have a mind that I'm going to share the best thing that they've ever heard. And they think that it's just talking and then they share it. And it seems like, like even while they're sharing it, people are like nodding off, like passing out. Yeah. And, and it, it's like, you realize so quick that people don't really care what you have to say. It, it, it's like that saying goes, um, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And trust is something that's built and, and being able to show people that, uh, that you're willing to like actually just be a real person with them and uh, that you're, you're almost like just a resource for spirituality and, and like your resource to them as this seemingly normal person. It, I feel like it's a, it's a change in mindset that a lot of ministers need to make, especially now, like with the newer generation, like I feel like generation X, like our parents and before they, they liked the corporate like style mega church that like they like uh being able to just like in a sense have a mcdonald's service like they just like they just go through the drive-through they like walmart they like having everything in one place they, they like they they have this idea that big corporation is fine and i can trust them our generation like millennials like we like we still don't like we're we we went through 9 11 you know like we were kids in our very first <laughs> aspect of the world as kids is was that really a terrorist attack or was it like our first glimpse in childhood of the world is conspiracy and doubtfulness to the system. And I think that our generation has this kind of like not rejection, but this, this pushing distance away from the mega church lifestyle to where you just, we just show up and hear what you have to say and leave it. Like we desire authentic community we 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 desire authentic leaders genuine pastors and ministers and to the point where uh people are looking for smaller churches now more than ever before like they're not satisfied with that mega church feel because they they have the doubts like i don't know if i can really trust them and what you're describing is this mindset of building trust with with community build build that ministry is community itself and it's a that's really i love how you describe that yeah 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 even just like thinking of like how we approach a wednesday night and not having to preach for 60 minutes because i feel like what i'm saying is so important to mm -hmm. middle schools, right like you're doing an hour-long preaching for middle school <laughs> it was never that though but just, yeah because yeah heck no i don't even think i'm gonna last that long but not nah, just like it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be a certain way i always thought yeah. it needed to be a certain way you needed to have a certain structure and so nah everything you were saying spot on for sure yeah I, it, let's let's hit that for a second it doesn't have to be a certain way because i think that a lot of young aspiring leaders think that it like that we that the people before us just had it all figured out and that they have the only way that works and the only way that we in a sense try to shake things up is by just doing some weird event like we we just try to do a special weird event they're like oh no one's ever done this before and then you hear some 
some old deacon in the back are like, oh yeah, I remember back in 1972, we did something like that. <laughs> it's like, you realize that it's not necessarily anything new when it comes to a weird event. It's just, you're just recent. And when it comes to doing things differently of really understanding why you do what you do and understanding like what, if we're ministering to people, why are we doing it in this format? Like, like just Sunday service, like you, your church does a very different format than the traditional church service. And it's because y'all are unpacking and analyzing, well, why are we really doing it? Just because it's always been done that way. And looking at the need of what the people, the need of the people within your community and addressing it from there and building from there, rather than just trying to rinse and repeat and just Let's just do what the mega churches have always done. Like, let's just, uh, it, instead of just really understanding why you do what you do. That's powerful, man. I love that. Exactly. There's no, no five, five point program, five step program that you got to follow for success. It's <laughs> literally like you saying, you just got to analyze where your, where your flock is at. Where, where, where parish, what's that? What you call your people? The parish? Church members? I don't know. But just analyze it. Parishioners, I, I don't know. <laughs> Analyze where they at, and then yeah, congregants, maybe congregants. <laughs> I wasn't raised in church, so I still. Uh, it's been thirteen years. I still don't know all the lingo. Uh, people will use it sometimes, and I'll just, I just act like I know what they're talking about. Like they're using a, a church word. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, kind of uh, zoning in from there. You know, what I love about what about you, Harry, is you're an authentic person. And I feel like you are the same person when I talk to you on the phone to where we're doing this interview. Uh, and even when we were, you know, just kids, we're just, you know, what, 18 years old, 19 years old. And just when we were kids and going through that ministry school together, it's like you were the same person consistently. Uh, to the point where like even when we were in school it's like we we both had the the inner thug come out of us where we almost wanted to fight each other <laughs> yeah. it's like we we just when it comes that's to being bonded us. <laughs> that's what bonded when we realized we were both thug <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know being a genuine person i think is one of the most powerful attributes to have in in church and society it is just a powerful aspect. How can you, I guess, when it comes to trying to give advice to somebody listening to this, I feel like it took me years to, to really be my real self. I Just like you were saying uh, at the beginning of uh, a feeling like you had to be this church person, this churchy person that you had to, that you felt like you had to be white in order to be saved and, and realizing when it comes to being your genuine self, that not only is it acceptable, but I feel like when you're your genuine self, you end up making a bigger difference, that you make a bigger impact in people that you're actually ministering to. How, what kind of advice could you give to someone that maybe is just now recognizing that they're playing pretend and they, they kind of feel intimidated or maybe they even feel like imposter syndrome when it comes to being their real self as a leader, what kind of advice would you give them? I think, uh, I think the type of advice I would give them is that, you know, first, first I want to, you know, see, see where they're coming from. 
I see see why they are pretending to be somebody that they're not, and then like address it from there. Because if if you're pretending to be someone that you're not, it's because you're trying to be accepted by a certain group. I would let them know like you don't need to feel accepted by anyone. Your acceptance should be in, in Christ, in Christ alone, and then everything comes from that, right? And so if you feel if you if you know who you are and you're secure in who you are in Christ, then your your true self, your authentic self, um, comes from the overflow of that relationship. So that's what I would, that's what advice I would give them. Like, you don't have to feel like you need to be accepted by anybody. You know, um, I'm, oftentimes Adam, he is in spaces where he doesn't feel like he is qualified to be at because he doesn't have the pedigree. He serves on a, a, a high leadership role within the school district, but he doesn't have like degrees that these people that um, he's in the room would have. And so a lot of times, like he would be telling me this, but no, like he would say, I, I know who I'm here because God has given me the grace um, to be here. And I am who I am by the grace of God. And that's that's what we have to go by. Like we are who we are by the grace of God. If you're shy, you don't have to pretend to, mm. to be this super powerful, impactful uh, speaker. Like, you are who you are by the grace of God. And it's God who is going to transform you into someone who is impactful. But it comes from that relationship. It comes from that walk. But you first have to find that with him, right? It's it's not by following T.D. Jakes, listening to T.D. Jakes and hearing how eloquent he speaks. It's, yeah. it's who you are in the secret place. Yeah, I, I love how you gave that example there because to anyone listening to this, uh, you know, I, I found out very quickly ever since I started putting stuff online that people take things way out of context. And I've been called idiot, phony, all kinds of stuff from just like a short little clip. I'm like, I wasn't even saying that. And what we're talking about when we're talking about being genuine, being accepted, we're not talking about uh, we're talking about leadership for one. And we're not talking about just being like this wild center. Like, like, if you want to smoke that cigar, then go ahead and smoke this cigar. Like, we're not talking about that. We're, we're talking about being genuine self, like to where Harry gives this example, like if you're shy, if you're a shy person, you don't have to pretend like you're arrogant. Like you, you, you can be who like your personality, your personality. For me, it was learning that like one day I just realized that at the end of the day, I'm just a street kid that happened and got saved. Like that's all it is. And when I tried to suppress that and act like I wasn't just a street kid, it was confusing for me. It was confusing for other people. Like, why do you? Why do you have a brand on your chest? Like, why do you why do you have all these like tattoos and scars? Like, what? It, it just didn't fit, and yeah. it and it did not work in ministry. I was able to do a little bit. I was able to do a lot more when I realized that, hey, this is just me. And I think that what you're describing is one of the best pieces of advice that a young person could have, or anyone starting out within ministries. You don't have to pretend to be someone else. You're able to make a difference. Just you, you alone are valuable. Your, your upbringing, your worldview, your personality is valuable enough within the hands of God to make a difference in someone else's life. I love that. It's crazy. Just speaking about our relationship, it's crazy because I felt like what I was saying earlier, being in a church that was predominantly white and feeling like I had to assimilate, um, and going down to Louisiana and seeing other men, black men like myself who talk like me, who um and, and were serving Jesus, 
like that was like and adam was saying like you need to go and see that so that you can know that like it, it, to open up your mind but it's crazy that like that was one of the reasons that i went down there but then i made a best friend in you where like none of that mattered it was still my boy homer hardgrove that all these years that stuck with me none of, none of those other guys it was you so Man, that, that's powerful to the aspects of of how our cultural history sometimes shapes what we're willing to accept. And yeah. and so often we like I feel like I have like growing up the way I did. I feel like I don't have culture like <laughs> I, I feel like I have this like uh, uh, I'm just like this gray area to where I, I don't even know where I uh, fit in. But the way you're describing of uh, this idea of so many people, we have this culture mindset of what we think uh, will work for us. And then we're surprised. We're surprised when, uh, when we get somewhere and re we realize that what we thought what something was, wasn't really what it was, but uh, you know, let, let's, let's end on a, I know that we're getting close to our time here. L let me ask you this. When it comes to the, that, that time where me and you had together in that, uh, that ministry school, that internship, what was uh, your, your greatest time and what was your worst time there? My greatest time in 220. I... What was your favorite and what was your, what was your not so favorite? All right. So I start with my not so favorite. My, my not so favorite moment was when I thought, I was gonna get killed because <laughs> we had did a prank on uh we did a prank on some guys and then as we we're peeling off uh we accidentally cut somebody off so i don't condone none of this we were young we we're teenagers and uh we cut somebody off and that somebody was not on no <laughs> They was on business. And I swear when he got out of his car and went to his back seat that he pulled a gun out. And so that was my not favorite moment. Um, it was completely unrelated to the internship. Um, it's connected. Was, it was you were there at the internship when this happened. That's right, connected. Right, right. Um, my my uh favorite moment, I think. Man, it was some. It was some really good. I know. I know the internship had got some negative light on it, but there was a lot of good moments, good and very powerful moments for me, um, in that internship. Uh, and it's really hard to like choose one moment that was that was better than the rest. I think. I think what I what I really appreciated was um the relationship uh that I got out of it. Um and I think when my when my church had came, well when the youth group came down for our graduation, it was also a conference, a youth conference. Um it was good to see them again, to know that they came down to support me, but also, you know, for their own spiritual growth and their spiritual health. That was a very good moment because I missed them a lot. But man, it was it was there was so many good, so many good moments, so many good things that I learned out of that. But I just got a whole lot of stories in my head that, man, <laughs> you had me dying in that in that internship. Wait, you're talking about my jokes? Yes. Yes. Then I remember one time, man, you had woke me up smooth out of a good sleep. 
And you was trying to tell me something super spiritual. <laughs> and uh, we were playing that mind game. I was like, whose Bible is that? He was like, well, it's mine. <laughs> what do you mean? Bro, I don't know, bro. You know you funny, bro. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's hilarious. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I I uh I think that if I were to say um you know to compliment what you're saying that that time uh that we were getting chased uh I I guess I didn't realize how uh in danger our lives was at the time um it just felt like normal to me <laughs> it wasn't the first time I ran away from someone so <laughs> but yeah they they did uh they did get something from the back of their trunk and then they did chase us um. Right for a hot minute to where uh, the driver was blowing through stop signs, trying to get away. Um, and they were like on our tail. So uh, that was, uh, and I remember specifically that after we did lose them and, uh, and to me, I was like, all right, finally, like that. I was just like, all right, now let's go back home. And uh, I didn't realize how <laughs> emotional everyone else was in the car. And I was like, uh, I was like, Hey, where'd you learn to drive like that? And the driver just turned around and said, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I was like, man, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense uh <laughs> so when video games do pay off <laughs> and yeah. yeah that that's beautiful man I, um and uh you know I, I think that what you're saying too is that there's a lot of uh there's there's a lot of positive moments uh, and there's also publicly uh, a lot of uh negative moments uh I, for me positive uh, spiritually, I would say that is the first time is where I first cast out a demon is by accident. It was in that place. I, I learned uh, like real spirituality, like real spiritual warfare in that place. And at the same time, I think really my favorite part of it was when the 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 guy's house had fight nights. And I really enjoyed fighting all the people that have aggravated that aggravated me all year and and putting them Those in submission. Fun. Those were fun. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't spiritual, but it definitely yeah. made me feel better. And, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do not like the negative parts, like uh, when the house dads had a power trip and made all of the all of our dorm sleep in the bathrooms on the floor while blaring music all night. Um, yeah. I think that was really unethical and should be <laughs> like short of a lawsuit the way they did that. Yeah, there was a, there, there was a there was a lot of lot of questionable things. Yeah, that like, was an oversight. <laughs> Four by four with the brakes on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> four in the morning. Yeah, th there's some questionable things, but we won't divulge in all those things. No. Um, uh, but you know, uh, for our audience, Harry, what is uh, if we were to close on something uh, real special? What would be one last thing you'd want to say to someone? Uh, any word of encouragement to someone that maybe is either just starting out in in leadership or maybe um, they've been in it a while and they're they're second guessing themselves. What, what would be one thing that you would want to give as a piece of advice before we sign off? Most definitely. I would say that you have to get in a relationship with somebody. Um, get in a relationship with someone who is older than you uh, to where you can um, you know, they, they say throw up to if you have any problems, any issues, there's somebody that you can go to that can help you um, help you with your 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 processes. Right. The things that you're processing, because we're going to go through things in life. Life is going to happen to us. Um, and so, like, ha have that relationship. Also have a relationship where there is the type of relationship we have, like a brotherly relationship. Um, and. So like the point that I'm trying to say is you you have to have community. 
there has to be there has to be some type of community um that you're a part of because that is going to help you a lot um without community then it's just, it's like you're in in the in the wilderness by yourself yes you have jesus but the temptations of this world is so tempting. That's why the temptations, and it's easy to fall. It's easy to get um, to to read your to read your word, and then have uh, revelation, but then just go straight off the rails with it, right? And, and just think something completely different. But in a relationship, in a community, you know, you can other people can help process with you. So, young leaders have that relationship. Gotta have that relationship. Spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers and brothers and sisters. That, that's powerful, man. Looking for mentors, community, people that you can trust to, to really hold you through those tough times because there are a lot of lonely times, tough times, and we shouldn't shouldn't have to do this alone. I love that, was, man. Thank I was, was going to say, there were so many times um, when we were separated that I wished you were up here. That I can just tell because I feel like I couldn't tell anybody because I had no friends like we had. And I just wish, wish, wish that you were up here or I was down there. And I can just like tell you, just like, bruh, I'm going through this, man. And we would have phone conversations, but man, I'm that face to face is that's um that's priceless. Yeah, that that's great advice, man. That's I think it's something that everyone should be able to take hold to right now, no matter where they're at in their leadership journey is something that we need. Harry, where are, where can people find more about you if they want to connect with you online? Um, you can visit a uh, lifestyle, um, HC at gmail.com. The life is a three L I F three because no, the Gmail was taken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know which lifestyle it was <laughs> anyway um or you can uh you can uh visit my instagram page uh lifestyle hc um actually i don't think i know what my instagram handle is I that's right i'll put it i'll put it in the show notes for everyone but it's yeah. uh it's li- lifestyle hair care uh is that something like that is the at name yeah. We'll put in the we'll put in the description so people can connect with you. Um, all that being said, Harry, thank you so much for uh, doing this interview today. So grateful for you, brother, and, and I really value you being a part. For sure, man. I appreciate you having me on here, man. Great. With with the rest of y'all uh, uh, tuning out to this podcast, thank y'all so much for being a part of this episode today. If you could do me a favor, can you leave a rating and review for this? podcast and really help me out and help others be able to see this show in their feed until next time have a great life